Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you, wherever you may be. As you are hearing this message, this is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's edition of Bible Bites. And as we continue reading through God's Holy Word, today my reading is found in 1 Kings chapter 15 through 17. And here, as we're going through Kings, you'll see that you know, one king will rise up and he'll either be good or bad and he'll have some information about him and then, you know, he'll die off and another king will come. And so you'll see the succession in both Judah, the kingdom of Judah. Remember, we're in the divided kingdom now and the kingdom of Israel. And so you will be tracing the different kings and their reigns throughout. And some of them God will have more to speak about than others. But I did want to point out a few things, a couple of things um, in these chapters. First of all, in chapter 15, we find out about um, one of the kings of Judah, Abijam, who is, I believe, um, Solomon's grandson. And he is not following in the ways of David. He's not um, doing right before the Lord. It says that, that he walked in all the sins in verse 3 of all his father, which he had done before him. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. However, I wanted to read to you verse 4 and 5 and point out um, something about verse 5 particularly. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by setting up his son and by establishing Jerusalem because this is what I want you to focus on in this verse. Because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. What a beautiful <coughs> testimony that the Lord himself gives to um uh, and over David. <clears throat> this is God speaking about David, and it's his, his um, interpretation or his testimony of David's life. And so God has this testimony of David's life that overall, David's life, he was after God's heart. He was godly. He was pursuing the Lord. And even though he slipped up at times, God rewarded him. God, God, he repented and God rewarded him. He repented before the Lord. God forgave him and God didn't count that against him. The only thing the Lord held against him, so to speak, was the um, matter of Uriah the Hittite because that was so grievous. Um, and yet David found forgiveness for that. We realized that after reading Psalm 51 and God continued to use him and bless him all the days of his life even after that. But I love it that God's testimony of David was so wonderful except in that one matter. It's just a, a sweet thing. You know, how wonderful it would be if you and I... <clears throat> could get to heaven one day and, and have a testimony of God like that, that was just so precious to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we go on and we read more um, of the different kings. We read about Asa who came along. Uh, he was the great grandson, I guess, of Solomon. And he was a, he was a good king. He walked back in David's um, footsteps and, and 
destroyed evil out of the land. Um, he brought in some reforms. And then we also begin to see <coughs> a little bit of Jehoshaphat's reign, um, the Asa's son, and you know some of his his reign as well. Now this is uh, different Jehoshaphat than we'll read about a little bit later on as well. <coughs> hey there, welcome to you as you're tuning in. And then we see in chapter 15, um, no, in chapter 16, excuse me, we begin to see the origins of the city of Samaria that was built by an evil king in Israel named Omri. But that city will come up later in Jesus' ministry in his day. So we, we see how the, the evil continues throughout the kings, the various kings, um, and, and it continues to be not only perpetuated, but also even worsening. Because beginning in verse 28, <clears throat> we begin to read about uh, probably one of Israel's most evil kings of all, and that was Omri's son Ahab. He rises to power in this um, in this chapter of verse of chapter sixteen, and I wanted to read to you also one one verse about Ahab, just to point out just how evil he was. In verse thirty one of chapter sixteen of First Kings, it says this. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. In other words, that wasn't good enough for, for Ahab. I mean, he had to even worsen it. He had to be even more evil than that. That he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Then he goes and he sets up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. He makes a wooden image. I mean, it says right here in verse 33, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So we're going to begin to see some things play out. And you'll notice in these next few chapters that God will have a lot, uh, quite a bit to deal with, with Ahab and Jezebel. But now I want us to get to chapter 17. And in chapter 17, we don't find a lot of backstory about this man. But this man just shows up on the scene. In verse 1, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, He's a prophet. He's arisen, um, uh, the prophet Elijah, and he just shows up on the scene. We don't even have a whole lot of, of information about him, but he says this to Ahab. As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And so Elijah comes on the scene. And, and even though we don't have a whole lot of, of detail about Elijah and backstory on him, I want you to mark a couple of things about him. Obviously, he had a relationship with God, the God of Israel. He says, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand. Now, let me tell you, the Bible says in Psalm 24, in verses 3 through 5, I think it is, it tells us exactly who can stand in God's holy presence? Who can stand before the Lord? 
and it's someone that has a clean heart and you know pure hands and it goes through the list of those characteristics and so Elijah obviously has a deep and solid relationship with God and he has confidence that he stands before the Lord. Beloved, how much more is that applicable to the children of God today who've believed in Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus? Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. He has made us righteous and we can stand before him. So one of the things that I felt the Lord impress on me as I was reading through this to share is that God wants you to be assured of your salvation and assured of your right standing with him. Now, does that mean that we don't fall into sin occasionally and we don't screw up and we don't make mistakes? No, it doesn't mean we're perfect. But when we do, let us have the heart of David. See, remember that God's own testimony of David back in chapter 15 was that David followed hard after him in every matter of his life. The only thing God spoke against David in that testimony was in the matter of Uriah the Hittite regarding Uriah and Bathsheba. That was the only thing. And, and that doesn't mean that was the only mess up in David's life. No, of course it wasn't. He was going to go kill Nabal at one point. And, you know, Abigail came and interceded and, and interjected in that situation. And God used her and God intervened. I mean, David, we see, you know, how he wanted to, to cut this, the corner off of Saul's robe and many times was tempted to do sin, to kill Saul or, or whatever it may be. So David was not a perfect man, but he was right with God because he was tender. The Bible said that when he cut the corner off Saul's robe, his heart smote him. So he was tender. He was quick to repent. And so as long as we're quick to repent, God will always forgive us when we do mess up. But beloved, God wants us to know he is for us. I was just listening this morning to that song, The Blessing by Carrie Job. God is for us. His blessing, he wants his blessing to be upon us. He is for us. And beloved, because of Jesus Christ, his righteousness being imputed to us, we too can have the same testimony that Elijah had here in chapter 17. As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Recognize that you today are standing in his presence because of the righteousness of God imputed by God to you because of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. The other thing that struck me as we read and we begin to see the, the, um, the fact that Elijah comes on the scene and God is working miracles through Elijah and on Elijah's behalf. A couple of things I wanted to point out about that. First of all, according to Mark chapter 16, verse 20, miracles and signs that follow the believers that are a part of whatever ministry or needs that arise in our lives and in our lifetime. They have a purpose and their purpose is not for show or for play or for amusement or for any of that. Their purpose is to confirm the word. And so you will see the miracles 
working through Elijah because they're confirming that that God does what he says, that God has used him and risen him up as a prophet of God, and God is speaking through him, and God will fulfill his word. So we begin to see that. First and foremost, on Elijah's behalf, I want you to notice the miracle that's happening here in verse 2 through 6, because God tells him, he says, okay, now, you know, Ahab, he's just delivered this word to him, and he says, you're not going to have any dew or rain for all these years until I say so. And that happens. God confirms the word through the sign that comes to pass, and we'll read more about that later. But in verse 2 through 6, we see God warning Elijah. He says, okay, this guy's weird. He's, he's evil. He, want, you know, he and, and now he's married up to Jezebel. Said, get out of here. Go and hide yourself and um, go down to the brook Cherif. He said, I've commanded ravens to feed you there. Now, I want you to notice something about this. Because if you go on down, it says in verse 6, The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, think about this for a minute. This is a miraculous thing that God did because ravens are scavenger birds. They love to eat meat themselves. (laughs) They hunt for food for themselves. And yet God commanded these ravens. Now, I'm sure the ravens got their own food too. But God had them bring Elijah food and, you know, bring him meat that I'm sure they would have preferred to eat themselves. So my point is that God does a miracle here, even in providing for Elijah, just in the fact that he loved Elijah and he cared for him. And I just, I saw that and I got to thinking about it. And so I did a little bit of research on ravens and yes, you know, they're scavenger birds. And I was like, wow, that's even a miracle, even in itself right now, right there. And so then we go on and reread the rest of the chapter about um, Elijah's interaction with this widow of Zarephath and, and two miracles that happen with this woman. Um, first of all, she's gathering sticks and she's, she doesn't have enough bread and, and flour even to make uh, enough for her son, her and her son. She's going to make them their last meal and then they're planning on, you know, just having to starve to death because there's famine in the land and, and they're, they're, you know, they're, they've used up their food supply. They're about to die. And Elijah goes to her and he says, make me the cake first and feed me first. Now, this required trust on her part. It required her to trust God that if she obeyed the word of the Lord, that God would then provide for her from that and that she was not going to die. So she did. She did that. And then it says, because Elijah had told her, he, he said to her, he said, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. She believed the word of God. She received it and she accepted it. And so she went away and she did that. And then it says that, that Elijah and her and her household ate for many days, and she gave him an upper room to live in and to stay in. And so the, the Lord fulfilled his word to her. Well, then later on, the son of this woman 
ends up getting sick and he dies. Something happened and he has no breath left in him and he dies. So, you know, she's, she's like, well, why'd you come to me? Why do you, did you come to, so that my son would die? I mean, why'd you save us back then if, if we're going to die now? And he says to her, give me your son. So he takes him up, carries him into the upper room and lays across him, praying to the Lord for the Lord to revive the child. And God raises that child from the dead. And so Elijah takes him down and gives him to his mother. And then it says in verse 24, this is proof also of what Mark chapter 16, verse 20 said, that the signs and miracles are for the purpose of confirming the word. It says this, then chapter, uh, verse 24 of chapter 17, then the woman said to Elijah, now by this, I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. So God is confirming his word here to her and proving again to her that Elijah was a man of God and God would do what he said. So God was good to her. And so we see Elijah come on the scene. And, and from this, we gather a couple of things. First of all, God wants us to know that in Jesus Christ, we stand boldly before the Lord. And that's one of the reasons we can come boldly to the throne of grace with whatever we need, because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. What a beautiful thing. And then also just to recognize again, and we see it through the life of Elijah, that the miracles and signs have come and follow us and are for the purpose of confirming the word of the Lord. And we'll see more about Elijah's ministry in coming chapters uh, here as well as we see him and Ahab and Jezebel and the interaction that's going to be happening. May God bless you today with his word. I hope you can join us again for future episodes of Bible Bites as we just read through the scriptures this year and comment as the Lord uh, leads us to different thoughts and insights as we're going through his word. May God bless you again. And I look forward to another episode with you. God bless today.